Turn to second, first Peter chapter one. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Thank you. Now the Lord has given you the ear of the learned. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord forevermore. All right. Father, we thank you. Ministering spirits and angels are also released. To bring fulfillment to your word. To cause us to hear words. Utterance. That is from your throne in Jesus name. Alright. First Peter chapter 1. Glory to God. Pick it up in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his abundant mercy. Who had gotten us born again to a lively hope, to a living hope. We were born again to something. Yeah. What we were born again to was there before we got there. Amen? Amen? Yeah. So if you were born again onto a lively hope, it can be yours. Right? It's yours now, but it's his hope. And we were born again to this lively hope. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This hope that you and I are born to is so awesome, it's so perfect, it is the very expectation of what God has for us. And it is an expectation of total victory. It is an expectation that God has because he knows what he accomplished in the sacrifice of Christ. He knows what Jesus did, and he was so confident that he said to Jesus, you just sit right here at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Because of what you did and also because of what you did in them. Because it goes on to say in Hebrews 10 verse 14, by that one offering and sacrifice, he has perfected those of us that are sanctified. So here God has this expectation that the enemy is going to be made his footstool, our footstool. He has this confidence and this confidence this expectation that he has we've been born again to it so that he looks at our life and he looks at whatever might seem out of whack and he has an expectation of absolute total victory and that is that is part of that Christ in us the hope of glory but this, 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 this expectation that God has, it is settled in heaven. And he doesn't see any possibility of failure. You and I, sometimes we look at what's wrong. We look at what's out of whack. We look at the confusion. But God sees, this too shall pass. Because I know what has been finished. So it says... That we are born again to this living hope. And maybe let me not get off on that hope too much. We are born again to this living hope. But what I want you to see is that no matter what you face, God sees victory because victory has already been accomplished. Yes. And if you and I, and God desire for us to come into the same place of confidence and expectation that he has, he wants us to so for us to become so awake, so alert, so aware of this confidence that he has, that we would have that same confidence, we would have that same expectation. And so that no matter what we face, that expectation and hope that is from God would anchor our souls. Yes. Amen? Yeah. So that when whatever else might be happening, our souls are going to be anchored. Now, this is what I, I, I wanted to say. What the devil did in Adam, the fall, produced such misery in the human race on every level. We can start listing them. 
But as, 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 as bad as that is, and it is bad, the Bible says much more does grace abound. And what you must be persuaded of is that whatever, extreme as it might be, that the devil did in Adam and affected the human race with, God in the second Adam did a greater work of redemption that is far greater. God accomplished much more in Jesus than the devil did in Adam. Because of that, you and I can have a confidence that where sin abounds, the grace of God is greater and abounds even more. So that no matter what we, what's going on, we know, we, we, we have every reason to believe and to expect what God have is greater. Amen? And we got a right to expect victory. All right. Anyway, I, I got I to move here. We were born again to this inheritance that is undefiled and so on. But let me move right down to verse, verse um, 8. Before I get there, let's understand this. This marvelous, awesome work of redemption that God did in Christ, we have all of the benefits of it. We have every deposit of those, of that victory, all of it in our born-again spirit right now. Every child of God, no matter if he's brand new, just born again two seconds ago, doesn't even know who he is, he's got it all. And that is so wonderful because it makes us, it makes us, we are born victorious. We are born, we are more than conquerors from the time we are born. We are overcomers. Yes. And we have all this victory in our spirit. But we don't automatically have it in our soul and in our body. Our spirit is perfected, sealed by the Holy Ghost. But we need to draw that power out of our spirit, bring it over into our soul, and make our soul come in line. Amen? Amen. And that's where we want to focus tonight. How do we do that? Because if we are not able to bring the life and the power out of our spirit into our soul, then, much, then, then a lot of what the devil did in Adam continues to reign in our lives. The misery continues. The sickness continues. The loneliness continues. The oppression continues at various levels. But in the meantime, God wants us to have absolute and complete victory. But it will mean bringing that life and power and all that and what's in our spirit, even Christ himself, into the area of our soul. In fact, that's what um, Galatians 4 verse 19 is talking about when Paul says, I travail again that Christ might be formed in you. Was he not formed? Was he not in your spirit? He is in your spirit. But it's that he might be formed in your soul as well. That is what it's talking about in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16. That God will strengthen you with might by his spirit in your inner man. That Christ might dwell in your heart by faith. What heart are we talking about? We're talking about the soul shape of your heart. You need to understand this. Man is a spirit, has a soul, lives in a body. But the spirit and the soul together is what the heart is. Amen? And the spirit part... The Bible says has been in first in first uh, um, Peter chapter three verse four calls the, the the spirit part the hidden man of the heart, amen. And that hidden man of the heart is is created in righteousness and true holiness, and and it says he's incorruptible, he's undefiled. In fact, it says he's the ornament of God, and he's so precious and pure in the sight of God. Are you with me? So that's how awesome that spirit part of the heart is. But when it comes to the soul, to the soul part of the heart, it's another story. It says back in um, okay, well, let's go take that one first. It says back in Jeremiah, I think it's 17, verse 9, that that's that, that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Man, that doesn't sound nice and pure and beautiful in the sight of God. But what are we talking about? The soul chamber of your the heart. In the very New Testament, in, in um Matthew chapter 15, verse 19, in and around that area, where the question was asked, where do these evil things come from? I, and Jesus said, it comes forth from the heart. It's not what goes into a man that defiles a man, but it's what comes forth, and it comes forth from his heart. From his heart come all these curses. From his heart comes all this wickedness, comes all this uncleanness, comes all this lying, comes all this deceit. From the heart. So that heart, which is a soul chamber, needs a lot of work. Yes. Amen? 
Peter says, in, um, James says in 1 James, in James 1, 21, we are to receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save the soul, which means the soul is not saved. But if we leave that soul as it is and don't take the word of God, don't take what God has given us, don't let the power of the Holy Ghost bring forth that transformation, then that soul will cause us trouble. That soul would even cause you to not uh, possess your inheritance. Amen? The inheritance is yours. Healing is yours. Wholeness is yours. Prosperity is yours. Every spiritual blessing is yours. But you can live your life and be alienated from it and never possess it. Why? Because of the very ignorance within that soul. Or, be, or sometimes because of the rebellion of, of that soul. Or because of the fact that that soul might have bitterness and resentment and thereby disqualify or disconnect you from the grace of God. So something has to be done about that soul. Because without it, Right? We, I mean, we can start off in faith. I believe, I receive, and I, and I have it. But yet it takes faith and staying in faith to obtain the promise. It takes faith and patience to obtain the promise. Amen? And during that waiting period between I believe, I receive it, and I have it, man, that soul could kick in. <laughs> that soul could kick in because after all, sister so-and-so, she believed the same thing and she didn't get results. Or after all, I had an experience a little while ago and it didn't work for me. Why do I think it's going to work now? And a whole lot of reasoning, logic, um, history, this, that, and the other could come up. You see, that soul, if we don't do something about it, if we don't possess it and bring it underneath the government of the Word of God and the Spirit of God, that soul is a breeding ground for unbelief. Are you with me? It's a breeding ground for strife. It's a breeding ground for contention, for offense, and we could go on and on and on and on. But guess what? Jesus wants to be the bishop of your soul. Amen? So, it, it, it's, um, so the question is, how do we get to that place? How do we get to that place to bring the soul under the dominion of the Holy Spirit? What do we mean, dominion of the Holy Spirit? The Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 8, that this is the ministration of the Spirit of God. And this ministration or dispensation of the Holy Ghost is far more glorious than the one that Moses operated in. That one that was one of condemnation, isn't that right? But this is one of righteousness. And it says, the King James speaks, calls it this, the, the ministration of the Spirit of God or something like that. The Amplified says, basically, that this ministration of the Holy Spirit is to bring all men underneath the government of the Holy Spirit. Which means that he would have lordship. It will go on to say in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17 that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where he has lordship, where his government is so set up in one's life, there is going to be liberty. And God wants you and I to have liberty. God wants us to have freedom. God don't want us to be in underneath any kind of yoke and any kind of bondage. But then God also fully understands that this issue of the soul is an issue. And, it, and, and our liberty is going to be dependent I'm talking about the liberty that we walk in continually. I'm not just talking about a blessing here and a blessing there. Thank God for that too. Amen? Amen. And thank God we have the power of agreement. We have the power, we, we, we have the intercessory ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. We bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of God. We provoke one another, we encourage one another, we pray for one another, and we do all things so as to be able to sometimes get the results even though even though we're still in the process, even though we are, we're not perfect. And that's all right. Thank God for that. But to walk in continuous victory, there is a maturing that needs to take place. There is, a, there, is a, there is a possessing of the soul that needs to take place, which is not for you to think that you can't have victory without arriving there. Are you with me? Thank God for the provision and the mercy of God that makes that available. Amen. But there is that maturing that needs to take place. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, so, so there is, so there is, so, the, so, so God's will is that you would be, have liberty, that you would be blessed. But he recognizes that the soul is an issue. That is the reason why it says in 3 John chapter 2, 3 and 4, Beloved, I pray, I desire, I wish above all things that you might what? Prosper how? Financially, physically, emotionally, mentally in your relationships, in every area. That you would prosper and be in health, 
even as in accordance to his soul prospering. Well, what does soul prosperity look like? Soul prosperity is being under the government of the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost is the spirit of truth, is he not? Amen? He is the spirit of truth. So it will go on to say, I wish above all things that you might prosper and be in health, even as your soul prosper. And then it says, I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and they told me how that you are walking in truth and how you got to hold the truth. Man, I got excited. And in fact, it says, there is no greater joy that I have but to know that my children are walking in truth. Because if they're walking in truth, then they're having a prosperous soul. But what is the essence of truth? Jesus says, the Bible says Jesus is the truth. Is he the truth? He is the embodiment of truth. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Therefore, if it came, there must have been an element that was not there before we got here. But it's here now. But let me just say something even further about truth. Jesus, and this, I don't know, this just really, really blesses me. But at this point, it's locked in. <laughs> Which means I can't be talked out of it. Everything that Jesus, who is the truth, is right now. He is because of his very own sacrifice. Think about it for a moment. Think about it. Don't, 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 don't just run off. Think about it. He died. He became sin. He died. And then he was resurrected. And God said, again I will be unto him a father. And again he will be unto me a son. And let all the angels of God worship him. And you shall worship no other one but God. So God has declared him God. So there's a man, Jesus, that is a man and a God and he's part of the Godhead. But all that he is right now is because of what he did. When the father raised him up and made him head over all things to the church... And the Father made him heir of all things. And the Father made everything subject to him. And the Father gave them everything. What was that for? Why was that possible? God did that. The Bible says he was obedient unto death. Therefore, God exalted him. And given him a name which is above every name. Isn't that right? So all that Jesus is, he is because of his own sacrifice. I mean, like, how awesome is that? Amen? I mean, it's almost, you know... In a little bit of a humorous way, it's almost as if Jesus raised himself from the dead. And I say that in the sense that he says, you destroyed this body, and after three days, I'll raise it up. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Such power. Glory to God. Right? So all that Jesus is, he is because of his own sacrifice. So all that Jesus is, and Jesus is the truth. So truth comes right out of the sacrifice. Amen? Amen? So now he says then, you will prosper even as your soul prosper. And what does this prosperous soul look like? It looks like being under the government of the Holy Spirit, where the Spirit has lordship, and soul means spirit. Soul is mind, thinking, will, emotions, attitudes, and so on. And then it says, but I rejoice greatly because of the truth that is in you. So the, the more your soul is anchored by, by the truth, and the fruits of the sacrifice of Christ, the more it's coming into that place where the enemy doesn't have the kind of access. It goes on to say, if you were to continue in, um, in 1 Peter chapter 1, we're still there. And it, was, it says in verse, verse 9, whom having not seen, okay, verse 22, sorry, let's skip, let's fast forward to verse 18. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold. From what? From your vain conversation. From your, the way you used to think. From the way you used to be. The way you used to function. The attitudes you used to have. The way you used to talk. Those things that came out of your soul. You've been redeemed out of them. From that vain conversation that was handed down. That came by tradition from your fathers. Or that came from the world. Whether we like it or not, when you're born again, you're born again, your spirit is born again, but as for your soul, it, it came, it was a product of the world. It was a product of your background. It was a product of how you believe, of, 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 of your history and all of these things. And so now, you have to not be conformed, but you now got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Are you with me? So here, you're, so he says now, but you've been redeemed from being stuck in that place, 
You've been redeemed, not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by the blood of Christ, not with silver and gold, but by the very sacrifice of Christ. You've been redeemed unto God. And it says in verse, um, who verily, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without the blemish and without spot. Is that a sacrifice? Yes. Absolutely. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifested in these last times for you. Who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and your hope might be in God. Seeing you by, by believing on this Jesus, by believing on this sacrifice, but by believing you were crucified with him, believing the old nature was buried, believing you were resurrected with him, believing that you were made to sit together with him, believing that you are now at the Father's right hand in Christ, believing that the blood has washed and cleansed you and broken the power of sin and guilt and condemnation and insecurity and fear off of your life and shame, and believing that that authority in the name of Jesus is yours so that you can declare unto the principalities and powers the wisdom of God and make them Believing that here you are as a child of God, you've got rights and you've got privileges. All the promises are yes and amen. That's the sacrifice, is it not? So now, who by him do believe that raised him from the dead and gave him glory, seeing you have purified your soul, when you, when you, when you accept what Jesus did, it says you purify your souls. In believing the truth. The truth is what Jesus has done. How do you purify your soul? By obeying the truth. Not just knowing the truth. Right? But when you know the truth and you do the truth. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? It is not just, it, 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 you know, faith without works is. Yes. You got to have the corresponding action. But what is the corresponding action of faith? It's talking right. It's obeying the Holy Ghost, whatever he tells you to do. If you got to dip seven times in the pool of Siloam, <laughs> take up your bed and walk. I don't know. Sell everything you have, give it to the pool, whatever. It's obeying the Holy Ghost. It's talking right. It's acting right. It's adding joy to your faith. It's adding thanksgiving to your faith. Amen? Amen. So then, so it says, you have purified your soul by obeying the truth. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So, so here we, we, we look and we recognize here was this soul got so damaged and he got born again, his spirit is fixed, but his soul is still damaged. But now we got to get this thing fixed because our prosperity, our victory, our authority, the, our functionality is so dependent on it. Amen? So how do we get it fixed? Well, we just heard one thing right here, which is purify the soul. How? By obeying the truth. By acting on what Jesus has done in his sacrifice. By act, let me give you an example. Do you think it's a problem if, I mean, somebody says something you don't like and you offend him? And I mean, and you bent out the whack for the rest of the day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Come on. Yeah. All right? Could you fix that with a sacrifice? You can. Yes. Just recognize I'm crucified with Christ, <laughs> I'm crucified. Dead people are not offended. Yes. And you begin to declare that. For a while you might still be offended, but you keep declaring that. I'm crucified. I'm crucified. I'm crucified. But then what about that person? You are so affected, so intimidated by them, that when they walk in the room, you begin to behave differently. When they walk into the room, all of a sudden, you don't want to eat with the Gentiles anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or when they walk in the room, you begin to act weird because you're not established and, and walking upright in this gospel, Christ in you, in this reality of the sacrifice. Can you fix that? Can you fix the fact that, that, um, that, 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 that they have this influence, they have this voice to you, they have this, they affect you? This, yes, you can. How? Crucifixion again. I see them crucified. Dead people can't talk to me. Amen. All right? When a dead, if, a dead, if a dead person walks in the room, it should affect me. You follow me? In other words, just declaring that they too are crucified. I'm just pointing out that the fact of the matter is, and those are soul issues. The issue of me being affected, the issue of me being embarrassed, the issue of me being offended, the issue of me being influenced, the issue of me being manipulated, and all that kind of stuff. Trying to impress somebody. Are you with me? Where is that coming from? Right? 
Where is that pride coming? Where is it coming from? And what fixes it? Jesus says, look, you learn of me. I am meek, which means I'm humble, but I also have power that is under control. And I am lowly in heart. He says, you learn of me. Take me on. Be like me. Be clothed with me, and you will find rest for your souls. Be yoked together. Did he not say that? But how can you do that? How can you be yoked together with him? To be yoked together with him is to operate in that oneness. And to operate in that oneness is righteousness. Are you with me? That is why righteousness, the sacrifice of Christ, is part and a huge part of the answer as to what? As to how you're going to possess your soul. And this phrase, possess your soul, goes goes back to um, Luke 21 verse 19. Which says, by patience, possess your soul. Well, thank God for patience, but there's some other things in there. Are we going to come back to patience? Patience is one of the things that can possess your soul, but then so can righteousness. So can righteousness. Think about this verse of scripture for a moment. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, being dead to sin, that you might live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed, and we all were like sheep going astray, wandering off for some other way. But we've now returned to the bishop. What's the thing? The what? The bishop and something. The shepherd and bishop of our souls. How come? Because we're now walking in righteousness. So in other words then, when I walk in righteousness, when I obey the gospel, when I do that, when I walk in righteousness, he is able to be the bishop the superintendent, and he's able to watch over my soul and keep it in line. Amen? Why? Because of righteousness. Can we, let's examine that further. The steps of a righteous man, you know, when we go to Proverbs chapter 4, when we read through the old passage, attend unto my word, incline your ear unto my saying, you know, don't let it depart from your eyes, get it in the midst of your heart, etc., etc., etc. It's life, to, life and health to all of your flesh, and so on and so forth. And then it will go on to say, and it will say, ponder your steps. Which means walk right. Ponder your ways. Well, what do you mean ponder my ways? How am I supposed to walk? Well, the steps of a righteous man. That's the steps that we need to take. The order of the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 85 and verse 13. That righteousness will go before you. And it will set you in his footsteps. Amen? So what am I saying? I'm saying that when we learn to walk and live in the reality I'm crucified. It's the life of Christ. This is what has been done. And the reality of righteousness, free from guilt, free from condemnation, free from shame, not believing that God is going to do this for me because I deserve it. I'm not believing that God is not going to do this for me because I don't deserve it, but I'm believing because of Jesus and what he has done. I've got a right to this. Are you with me? So this issue of righteousness is huge and the sacrifice of Christ in relationship to me getting a hold of my soul, which ought not to be a huge surprise for the simple reason that I, I just, I, another thought is running through my mind here. It ought not to be a surprise for this reason. It says... In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 8, that there are three that bear record on earth. And it says the spirit, the water, and the blood. Well, we know the water is a type of the word of God, right? It says in Ephesians, it says, um, you are clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. Um, it speaks about the washing of the water of the word that was sanctified, etc. So then it is saying, 1 John 5, 8, that there are three that bear witness that has such power and authority that their testimony cannot be stopped. There are three that when they say this is how it is, that is how it is. And those three are the spirit, the word, and the blood. Amen? Now when you think about the blood, don't limit it to the blood. You could put a whole sacrifice in there. In the same way when you see scripture that says, um, that, that, that we are dead to the world through the cross, or when it says the preaching of the cross, we're dealing with a whole sacrifice. Amen? 
So then if we plug that back into 1 John 5, 8, it would mean then that the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and the sacrifice of Christ, which includes the blood, those three guys, their testimony agreed together and are in unison and they are in oneness. And whatever they testify to, it goes on to say, you can be confident. You can be confident that whatever you ask, according to his will, he hears. And that you've got those petitions. That is the certainty about it. So it shouldn't be such a surprise when we begin to see that righteousness and the power of it to transform us in the area of our thinking, in the area of, of, of our soul, in the area of our mind, in our will, and our emotions. Amen? All right. But before I leave that area, let me, go, let me say a little bit more about the issue of, of the sacrifice and so on in relationship to possessing your soul. There are times you may have some challenges in your life. And sometimes those challenges are because of you. And you may have to just declare, I'm crucified. Or you might have to apply some aspect of the sacrifice to your own life. Sometimes the challenge might be people. And so you might have to apply it to them. Declare that they're crucified, remit their sins, and so on. But then sometimes your problem is indeed the devil. Am I right? There are sometimes he's the one that is causing torment. He is the one that is hindering your prayers. He is the one that would like to affect the atmosphere. And it's not you. And it's not people. And you got to take authority. That's right. Amen? You have to take authority. So, in this, so then, so, and, and don't forget, righteousness, one aspect of it is executing the authority. Talking like you, God. Because you're hooked up with him. Are you with me? So I just wanted to let you know that as well. I mean, I mean, there, there's sometimes people can be oppressed and so on because they're thinking wrong. But sometimes it is because there's a demonic spirit there. And you got to take authority over it. You got to bind it. You got to cast it out. Amen. You got to resist it. Are you with me? So we don't want to leave that out. So, and, and in fact, while I'm on that subject, what are we doing here? What are we doing is... In order to have that freedom and liberty in your soul, we've got to silence these other voices. Are you with me? Whether it be the, your own voice or your, of your flesh, right? It's okay. Well, it's fine. This, you just make sure you get what you need to get. So um, we got to silence those voices. We got to silence the enemy and so on. We got to even sometimes deal with the very environment. Amen? Okay. So let's move on from there. So there is that aspect of, of possessing your soul. There is that aspect of, the, of, of, of applying righteousness. But then there is also the aspect of the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the very interesting things where the Holy Spirit is concerned, here is a fact of the matter. The Holy Spirit is the one that gets the job done. Amen? I don't care whether they're talking about being born again, or whether it be straightening out the leg, or whether it be putting in some new tissue in there, or whether it be deliverance, whether it be multiplying the loaves and fishes, whether it be, it is the Holy Ghost. He performs. He, the Bible says, he, he performs all things for us. Who is he that performs miracles? Does he do it by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? By the hearing of the confidence, the confidence we have in the sacrifice. He is the one that performs. Amen? So, I mean, it's wonderful that Jesus went to the cross and died and was buried and was resurrected and ascended to the Father's right hand and shed his blood and give us his name and give us his life and give us great and precious promises. That's wonderful. But do you know, as, as wonderful as that is, if you don't have the Holy Ghost to, 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 to put power behind those things, and, and cause them to be made manifest and bring fulfillment, it, it would be almost like, you know, nice lettering, but it's, it, it, the Holy Ghost is the power. Yes, Jesus knew that. So Jesus says, look, I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die. I'm going to be sacrificed. I'm going to be raised up. I'm going to sit at the Father's right hand. I'm ever going to live to make an intercession for you. However, don't, don't, don't leave yet. Wait, wait. You need the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Because it is better for you, it is expedient for you, that I go away, 
offer myself as the Lamb of God as a sacrifice, it is expedient for you that after I have done that, that you get the Holy Ghost. Because when he has come, he will lead you, he will guide you, he will teach you, he will comfort you. He will seal the covenant. He will seal the sacrifice. He will bring fulfillment. When you start declaring and you start proclaiming the cross and you start saying by his stripes I'm healed, he's going to manifest it. When you start saying in the name of Jesus, I take authority over you, devil. I bind you and I command you to cease your operation. He is the one. Jesus says, how this, how this, when you see these demon spirits cast, cast out, what well, he says, it is done by the finger of God. He says it means that the kingdom of God has come near you. It is the spirit of God that does it. Are you with me? So it doesn't matter what aspect. That is why, you know, is it, I think it's, is this first or second Corinthians? I think it's first Corinthians 6 verse 11. That says, such were some of you, but you've been washed, you've been cleansed. And then it says, you've been sanctified by the name of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Amen? In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, it says how Jesus offered himself, to, offered his blood. What does it say? Um, anybody, if, if anybody get to start me off. How much more? <laughs> how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offer themselves to God, purge your conscience from every good work. So the blood is absolutely involved in purging your conscience, but so is the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? The blood and the word has to do with sanctification, but so is the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? So, let's, so, so, so there is a working of the Holy Spirit that is an integral part of this, this area of bringing your soul underneath the dominion of the Holy Ghost and the Word of God and the blood of Christ. The Holy Spirit is the one that performs, that makes the transformation so that here you are starting off and you are frazzly. You're frazzly in your soul. But then as you stay with the Word, as you receive with meekness the engrafted Word, and He ministers the Word, then He transforms it. And then, it's, then He transforms you, transforms your soul. It says in Second. Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17 that now 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 the spirit now the Lord is that spirit now the Lord is that spirit and we're talking about the one that removes the veil now the Lord is that spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. We are transformed and changed from glory to glory even as by that same spirit. Who does the transformation? It's the Holy Ghost. Are you with me? Right? It's the Holy Spirit. That is why it is so important to have the respect, to have the honor, and to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Amen? What does it say? The love of the God Father and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. All right. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So there is an aspect of the Holy Spirit, but then there is an aspect of the Word of God. The Word of God. I said the Word of God. James 1.21 says, Receive with meekness the engrafted Word, which is able, yes, which is, yes, which is able to save your soul. Receive with meekness the engrafted word. The word that gets engrafted on the inside of you, that is able to save your soul. It doesn't say that the word is able to save your soul. It says receive with meekness the engrafted word. When the word becomes engrafted in you, when the word becomes part of you, when the word becomes embedded in you, it is able to transform your soul. Amen? question is, how does it get engrafted with you? How does it get engrafted? Well, there's a couple of things involved. Number one, meditating on the word. Which means what? Take the word. Think about it. Think about it. 
humming, go to bed, sleep, go to bed humming. You know, one of the things I like to say to people more than anything else is to learn, is just make this habit. Go to bed saying I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Raise, wake up saying I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Just say that. I don't care if it don't make sense to start with, just go ahead and say it. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm the righteousness of God. I am the, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I mean, just say it. Keep saying it. Keep saying it. Keep saying it. Why? The Bible says in 2 Timothy, no. Yes, yeah, 2 Timothy chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 2, and I think it is verse 6. I think it is verse 6, give or take. <laughs> give or take two verses, whatever. But anyway, he says, consider what I say. And the Lord give you understanding. When you begin to process, when you begin to consider, when you begin to think on it, all of a sudden, here comes the Holy Ghost. And then, bam, here comes understanding. Amen? Amen. Consider. When you meditate on the word, that's what you're doing. You're considering the word. And that is so important. Because you see, on the other hand, if you consider the circumstances, if you consider the problem, if you consider the doctor report, I didn't say ignore the doctor report, but don't meditate on that. Mm. Amen? Because whatever you meditate on, you'll become sensitized to, you become sensitive to. Jesus says the reason why the disciples were so freaked out when they saw him walking, walking in water, and they were so amazed. I mean, he almost rebuked them for being amazed. <laughs> Amen? And Jesus, Jesus, like Jesus said, why are you so impressed? Okay, so I was walking on water. Okay, so I rebuked the wind. So why are you so impressed? Didn't you see me divide the loaves and the fishes just a few days ago? You know why you're so impressed? You didn't take any time to consider the loaves and the fishes. Had you considered that, this would not have been such a big deal for you. Are you with me? What you consider, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 15, that if Abraham had been mindful of where he came out of, he would have had an opportunity to go back. If he was thinking about it, if he was thinking, oh man, one of the reasons why the children of Israel died in the wilderness is because of their thinking. Oh, we miss those cucumbers. <laughs> Amen. All right. You know, really, what are you considering? You know, is this, you know, like I, I know we talked about symptoms the other day. But you start meditating and thinking about the symptoms, the symptoms are going to start talking to you. Yes. And next thing you know, you're going to be speaking them and you become an echo of the symptoms. Yeah. You become an echo and there's no power in that. But you meditate on the word. Himself bore my sicknesses and carried my infirmities. What happens? then you become a voice of penetration to break that thing. The word of God in your mouth is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing his own soul and spirit and joints and marrow. But it is the word of God that has that power. In other words, then, God is under no obligation to perform your words if they don't match and agree with his words. What does that mean there? What that means is that when you are saying what he says, that's when Jesus, your high priest, the apostle and the high priest of your profession, can take that and perform it and bring fulfillment to it. Here's a phrase I wrote down. Your words are only as effective as they are said by God. Amen? If your words don't agree with God, <laughs> I was just thinking about a, 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 you know, I'm from a third world country, and they, they talk about a donkey brain in a, in a, in, in a, in a, a, a donkey brain in a, it's like an aluminum barn. <laughs> I mean, those things just rattle. Lots of noise, but nothing happening. Here's the point. The Bible says Jesus is the apostle and high priest of your profession. When we speak the word of God, God says, I'm going to make my word in your mouth like fire and like a hammer. Now, you got to believe that. But, but, but it is his word in our mouth. But when we allow the circumstances, the environment, the symptoms, and all of them to speak, 
then we become an echo and we're not speaking the word of God. And we need to speak the word of God in order to bring forth change. And that's so James was saying, you receive with meekness the engrafted word. How does that word get engrafted? Meditating on it, speaking it, declaring it, considering it. Abraham considered not his body now old or the deadness of Sarah's womb. And as a result, he grew, he grew strong in faith. As a result of that, he, didn't, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. In other words, had he considered that, had he meditated and thought about, mm, look at me, look at Sarah, mm, age, mm, what would have happened? He would have staggered because of what? Unbelief. Yes. In other words, unbelief would have been born and conceived. Amen? That's why the Bible says, this light affliction is but for a moment. And it will work a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory while we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. Where are you looking? If we were to go to Proverbs chapter 4, read it from verse 20, right through to the end, it will tell you, my son, but anyway, it was said, it was said, it was, okay, I'm thinking about another scripture. But anyway, I'm thinking about this one here, Proverbs 23, 26. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Amen? Where, what are your eyes? What are you looking at? Um, but the one I was looking for is Proverbs chapter 4. Attend unto my word, incline your ear unto my saying, let them not depart from thine eyes, but keep them in the midst of your heart. Look unto Jesus, not look away from Jesus. Look unto Jesus, the author and the finish of your faith. Consider him. Not consider the circumstances. Lest you faint in your heart. You consider all that stuff, man, you begin to faint. And you could faint in the middle of a harvest field. You had good seed in the ground. You started off good. You were in faith. But you didn't stay in faith. And you become weary and you faint. You see, there is a staying in faith that is also part of this process. It says in um, Luke 21 verse 13, no, Luke 21 verse 19. With patience, you possess your soul. In fact, let me put it to you this way. Your soul, part of your heart. There's a verse that says, God, your heart, for all of it are the issues, are like these forces of life coming out of your heart. Boom. <laughs> I don't know. Some sound like some one of those games they play. <laughs> out of your heart comes these forces. When your soul is not in line and not under the government of the Holy Spirit, you just got born again and you haven't been walking this walk and, and building the Word of God in your life. As you say, how does the Word of God get engrafted? By hearing and doing the Word. If you abide in me, my Word abides in you. When you obey the Word of God, you build it into you. Okay. But when you speak the Word of God, your, your tongue is as a pen of a writing writer. Psalms 45 and I think verse 1 or 2. And it writes in the tablet of your heart, Proverbs 3 verse 3. So speaking it and so on. All right. And we get back over here. So um, get back over here. Where? Where was that? Oh, forces. <laughs> so out of your heart, and, and as, as, when, when your heart, that, that soul chamber of your heart, you have these forces. Now, unfortunately, they're negative. A lot of them are negative. Jesus is out of the heart, proceed all these wicked things. All right? Out of the heart. The Bible says, um, a, a sound heart. Proverbs 14, verse 30. A sound heart is health. Or something like that to all the flesh. All right? But then it goes on to say, rottenness therein. Was it? Um, or rottenness or bitterness therein. Envy therein is rottenness to the bones. Mm. Amen? And, then, um, and, and so you have, you have these scriptures that speaks about all this Stuff coming out of your heart that is negative. So you have these negative forces out, out there. So it says you better guard your heart. You don't allow that bitterness to come out. You better don't allow that envy. You better don't allow that strife even in your heart. Don't, don't allow these things. Shut them down. Shut them down with what? Now, whereas you have those negative forces in your soul, in your spirit chamber, you've got some good stuff. Say good stuff. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Inside your spirit chamber of your heart are forces that are born of God. And the Bible says, against such there is no law. 
Amen? There is no, like, there's no law against, oh, okay, you, gotta, you have too much joy now. You ease up on that joy. Peace, oh, no, 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 no. You got to slow down on the peace. What about goodness? No, enough goodness. Patience. Ah, come on. There's long suffering. You got to suffer to a point and stuff. No, there's, against such there is no law. The fruits of the Spirit, is that right? God doesn't say, diligence. Ah, you got to be diligent, but only to a point. You got to know when to quit. You follow me? There is no such thing. Against such there is no law. And the Bible says in 1 John 5, 4. Now I know we quote 1 John 5, 4. And it's okay for us to say, Whosoever is born of God overcome the world. Because that is certainly true. And this is the victory to overcome the world, even our faith. However, if we were to quote it correctly, it says, Whatsoever is born of God overcome the world. That peace in your heart is the peace of God. The joy in your heart. In your spirit, that is, is the joy of the Lord. The righteousness is the righteousness of God. The patience, it is of the Lord. The Bible says everything, but it says, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new, and all things are of God. Christ is all in all, it says, I think, in Colossians 3.11. So, inside your spirit now, you have these forces that the devil can't handle. The love of God never fails. Amen? Amen. Let patience have a perfect work that you might be entire, wanting nothing. So you have these forces in there. And Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 and verse 6, verse 7, you know, God does not give you a spirit of fear, but of love and power and some man. But verse 6, he says, stir up the gift of God that is in you. Stir up the love of God. Stir up the joy. Stir up the peace. Stir up the righteousness. Stir up the diligence. Stir up the patience. Amen? Because it's with that patience and remaining firm and steadfast and refusing to quit that you possess the soul. It is with that joy. 1 Peter 1 verse 8 and 9. We rejoice with joy unspeakable, full of glory, receiving the end of our faith, even the salvation of our souls. Your faith has not come to maturity until your soul is in line. Are you with me? The end of receiving, the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. But how do I receive the end of my faith? We rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of our faith. With joy, we receive the end of our faith. With joy, we receive the salvation of our souls. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. Blessed with joy do we draw from the wells of salvation. What well? On the inside here, where you have all the blessings, where you have all the healing, where you have all the prosperity, where you have all the redemption from every curse. With joy do we draw from the well of salvation. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Pull it out of your spirit. Get it into your soul and get it over into your body. How? With joy. With these forces that are on the inside here. So joy is there. Peace is there. The Bible says, let that peace rule. Jesus says, the, Mark, John chapter 14, 27. He says, my peace. Whose peace? Jesus' peace. He says, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world give it, give out unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. As if you have a choice. <laughs> let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. But before you can let not your heart be troubled, he says, let me help you. Let me equip you. Let me give you what it takes to be able to not let your heart be troubled. My peace, I leave with you. You follow me? So stir up that peace. Stir up that peace. Again, it says in Philippians chapter 4, reading from verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, will keep your heart and mind. It will guard your mind like a garrison of soldiers. But how do we get there? It says, be anxious for nothing. 
Why shouldn't you be anxious? Why, why you must refuse to be anxious for anything? Because if you allow anxiety, you're cooperating with the devil. That's right. You're cooperating with the kingdom of darkness. You're not in faith. So he says, don't do that. But in everything about prayer and supplication, men are always to pray. What does he mean by that? Stay connected. Stay connected. You stay connected, and what happens? The peace of God. The peace of God, which by the blood of Christ, according to uh, Colossians 1 and I believe verse 20, he has purchased peace, and he's reconciled everything to its original intent and purpose by his sacrifice, by his blood. So he says then that you must not allow yourself to get hooked up with the devil because if anxiety, not just anxiety hooks you up with the kingdom of God, but anxiety disconnects you from the peace. It disconnects you from here, from your source, man. Right? So he said, don't do that. Don't do it. And then he says, no, stay connected. Pray. Men are always to pray. Stay connected. And then when you do, once you stay connected, that peace will rise up and it will guard your heart and mind. Well, it had said back in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, guard your heart with all diligence. Well, here's some peace that will help you guard. Amen? All right? And, and this, we could probably go on some more about that. So there's the peace. There is the joy. There is the patience. There is the righteousness which we talked about in connection with the sacrifice of Christ. And then there is the diligence. Now, this stuff is not previous to all this. Is, this is not like it's automatic or easy, not necessarily. Especially if you're talking about the crucifixion part. That part ain't easy. You don't get crucified and say, oh, that is good. No, crucifixion hurts. Yes. <laughs> Amen? You tell the flesh, no. You think the flesh, yeah, okay, all right. If you're not going to eat, that's cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Crucifixion hurts. Crucifixion is a process. When you have grown up all your life for so long, affected by people, and then now you got to be delivered from them. Not automatic. And to be delivered from yourself? Man, when you start cleaning out that house, you know that story where, 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 where it says, I think it's in Luke somewhere, where Jesus says, if any man will love um, this or that or that or that more than me, or even his own self. You know what that is? That is the last, that's the attic up there where you have all those roaches and stuff. <laughs> Amen. He says, uh, uh, he says, that's what it takes. So I'm not telling you that it's easy. But I am saying this, that there is a force called diligence. And in, and in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 10, it says, if you be diligent, diligent to meditate, Diligent to speak the word, diligent to consider, diligent to guard your heart, diligent to recognize that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Diligent in these things. If you be diligent to make your calling and election sure. What do you mean calling? What God called, what God said concerning you. He said you used to be the head and not the tail. He said that no matter what come your way, you are more than a conqueror. He said, no weapon formed against you shall prosper because your righteousness is of him. He said that the same spirit who raised the Christ and the quick is your mortal body. He says that when life, that when Christ in you is revealed and unveiled and we come to that revelation of Christ in us, there is a grace that is brought to you. He says that when Christ is revealed, that even life and immortality will come to light through the gospel. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 10. That's divine health we're talking about. He said that. But he said, so anything he said is what he has purposed, is what he desired for you. So he said, you can make what he said, what he has called, what he has spoken, what he has uttered concerning you, he, you can make it sure. You make your calling and the election sure how? Be diligent. And then he said, if you do, then 2 Peter 1 verse 11 says, if you do, there's going to be a glorious entrance into the kingdom of God. What does that mean? It means, it's like, instead of trying to squeeze it through this little tiny spot here, right? It's this nice big wide door. To, to what? So that you can enter into the kingdom of God, into the reign, into the dominion, into the sphere where Jesus is Lord, where the spirit has lordship, and bam, here's liberty. Can you see that? 
But what are you doing here? What we are actually doing is we are drawing out these forces that are in our born-again spirit. We are drawing them out. Amen? Draw out your salvation and we're using those forces to pull it out. And by so, and what are we doing? We're transforming the soul with it. Amen? Joy and patience and, and all of this wonderful stuff. Diligence. Hallelujah. Righteousness. The sacrifice. The blood. Thank God for the blood. Amen. Amen. One more scripture. Amen. Psalms 138 and verse 3. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We've covered some ground here. We didn't, we didn't pick on it in the sense of, ah, how do you deal with discouragement? Well, discouragement comes because of what you're looking at. Mm -hmm. Amen? Yeah. Discouragement comes because of your, because of, because, <laughs> yeah, because of what you're looking at. <laughs> Amen? Hallelujah. What do you consider? Ah, you know, back to, uh, what's his name? Jonah chapter 2 verse 8. He says, Jonah, Jonah says, if you observe lying vanities, that's the symptoms. If you observe lying vanities, then you what? Then you forsake the mercies of God for yourself. You know, God says, I got mercy for you. But if you keep observing those lying vanities, right? What happens? You forsake that mercy. That is Jonah 2 verse 8. All right? Remember Jonah, right? Are you friends with Jonah? <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right, Psalms 138. Hallelujah. God magnifies his word even above all his name. Now, Psalms 138 verse 3 says, In the day when I cried, you answered me, and you strengthened me with strength in your soul. In the day when you cried out, you strengthened me with strength in your soul. Let's stand up and let's do some crying out right now. Amen? Hallelujah. God said, eh? uh -oh. <laughs> let's stand for a moment. Let's just, let's just, let's just draw from the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Believe God. Believe God to... to, to to, to miraculously by the power of his spirit right now to reach into your soul and pull stuff out that need to pull out. Fix what needs to be fixed. Heal what needs to be fixed in the soul area. Say, Father, I claim your word. Your word is settled in heaven. Your word is my hope. Your word is my expectation. This is the living hope that I've been born again to. You said that if I cry out, you're going to strengthen me in my soul, in my mind, in my will, in my emotions. You're going to reinforce me so that I can stand my ground. And having done all to stand, you will transform me in the spirit of my mind and change my attitude. So right now, Father, in accordance to your word, I am calling on you by the authority of the blood, the authority of the sacrifice, and in the power of the Holy Ghost, by Jesus' name, strengthen me now in my innermost being. Strengthen me now in my emotion. Infuse your strength. Infuse your life. Liberate me in the name of Jesus from every yoke, from every bondage. I am anointed by your spirit, the spirit of God that is without measure. He is in me and by that anointing in Jesus' name, every yoke of bondage, go for me, discouragement, leave me, unbelief, get out of me, I am a believer, that's who I am, I believe the word, I'm free from every yoke of bondage, Jesus' 
Jesus has set me free. I'm free indeed. I'm adopted. I'm your offspring, Father. I've got a new identity. It comes out of the sacrifice. I'm born of the blood of Christ. I'm born of the word of God. And I thank you, Lord. My citizenship is in heaven. And in the name of Jesus, devil, get under my feet. In the name of Jesus, oppression, go from me. In the name of Jesus, I stop every torment. In Jesus' name, bitterness, go. I silence every voice that tries to pull me out of my place of rest that is in Christ. I silence the voice of every enemy of my soul in Jesus' name. People are crucified to me. I am crucified to me. I'm free from offense. I'm not affected. I'm not influenced by what people think. In the name of Jesus, I don't react. I only respond from where I am in Christ at your right hand. Father, I thank you for liberty. I thank you for setting me free. I thank you. Thanksgiving always, always causes me to triumph. I am victorious. I am more than a conqueror. I am strong in the Lord. I am strong in His grace. And I declare now healing in my body, healing in my soul, healing in my family. In Jesus' name, I command every infirmity go for me. Get out of my body. Pain, leave me now. In the name of Jesus. Headache, go. Backache, go. In Jesus' name. Knees, be strong. In the name of Jesus. I declare the life of God in every cell, every part of my being. I am the heal of the Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.